Hello there, welcome to episode 3 of Game Podular Unfocus. I'm your host, Scott, and with me as always is Hilka. Hello, Hilka. Hi, Scott. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing pretty I'm doing pretty well. Um yeah, it's um, not too cold here. I am in Queensland, Australia. Um we had a bit of a cold snap in last month, but it seems to have leveled out here, so hopefully um continues on. How about yourself? Uh, well, here on the probably literal other side of the world, uh, it is in fact quite warm. It's 27 degrees today, and I think it's about 23 indoors in here, and that's with like curtains closed and stuff. So uh, it's a hot one. We did get some rain recently, which was nice for the first time in like over 30 days, which is concerning for a country that had a reputation of being cold and rainy for a long time. Oh, okay, I can imagine. Yes. Oh well, hopefully, uh, hopefully it does um, does sort of level out. Uh, but yeah, uh, no, we're gonna go ahead and talk some um, talk some games. Yeah, there's nothing like playing video games on a day where it's it feels like stepping into an oven when you go outside. Oh no. Okay, it's not actually that bad, I'm exaggerating. I have experienced Australian summers where it hit like 40 degrees, you know, around the time when the wildfires start. Uh, that is actually like stepping into an oven. This is comparatively not as bad, but still unpleasant. Oh, I can imagine. But hopefully, yeah, hopefully hopefully it does, does level out soon and yeah, it does get colder. Here's hoping. So, um, last couple last couple of weeks. Um, normally, this is when the um, E three is supposed to happen. Of course, that has been cancelled, uh, and apparently, it's also going to be cancelled for um, twenty twenty four and twenty twenty five. Yeah, I obviously never say never, but I, I think we can we can stick a fork into E three uh, and wrap a bow around it and call it a finished product, which is unfortunate because. Like, obviously, a lot of E3 was for consumers, uh, you know, showing off trailers and stuff. But I do miss the hands-on experiences that you'd get from journalists who would like, okay, I'm attending E3 and there'd be like demos on the floor and the there wouldn't just be trailers and marketing execs, but there would be actual like people who would play the game and tell you about it. Exactly. Um, but, you know, in this, um, well, ever since with the pan- with the pandemic um, and sort of with the more marketing control of, of these companies, it sort of felt like, um, yeah, E3 was, yeah, on the way to Dodo. So, yes, wrap it in a bow and bury it in a, in a, a lunchbox. It is, if nothing else, more accessible. That That is a, a high point. Like, I mean the, the the Nintendo Directs have been around for for a long time, but even the more uh, the other companies, they've been doing a lot of just like we're just going to show everything on YouTube or Twitch or what have you, and anybody who has a reasonable internet connection can watch it. Uh, R.I.P. people in America and some places like Australia that have data caps. 
uh, sucks to be you, they say. Yeah, although, although I've got to say, I've got to say um, because in Australia, we initially had data caps, but like nowadays, it's sort of like you usually pay what we do um, in Australia. It's not so much data caps as um, sort of set speeds. So you'll get like, say, like 12 mega, the lowest one is like 12 megabits per second, but it's like they advertise as unlimited. Whereas in America, it used to be, yeah, you used to have unlimited caps and now, now you've got caps. Yeah. Uh, well, it's it's strange until you think that uh, setting caps on it lets them charge for going over those caps so they make more money. Yeah. Uh, so it 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 is genuinely unfortunate for a lot of people in America who have to suffer through that. And even like last time I was in Canada, which admittedly was nine-ish years ago, uh, I was at a place that had a data cap as well. So it's not just limited to America, but yeah, I'm genuinely feel bad for folks with data caps because the internet is becoming increasingly integrated. I say becoming as if it hasn't already been for the past like 15 years, but you know, the internet is still increasingly becoming more and more integrated and necessary into the daily lives of everybody. So stop data caps, please. That's my, I almost hit the table. Don't want to do that. Uh, that's my high horse for today. Don't just get rid of data caps. It's not, it shouldn't exist. Exactly. It's uh, it should be considered like a, like a utility. Absolutely. Ah, so with these, um, yeah, with these, um, preference conferences that they had, um, I had a couple of ones that I just wanted to go through. Uh, PlayStation was probably sort of the weakest one, I feel. Um, Spider Man Two, um, that looks to be, that looks to be awesome when that comes out. Probably not going to get that day one, uh, because it's probably going to be like a like a hundred twenty four dollars in Australia when it comes out. Good lord. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. The PlayStation games, like you had Dark Souls, Returnal, all of them are just like, just like a hundred, yeah, a hundred and twenty four dollars and ninety five cents. And I mean, the exchange rate from dollar to euro is not exactly friendly, but even that, that's like what, like seven seventy five euros, I think. Yeah, we do like more and more AAA games are going to like the seventy dollar slash seventy euro uh, price point as well, which hmm, don't like that. Uh, but even then, that's still I think more expensive than seventy. Yeah, it's sort of because it was it's Sony's that's always been doing like excuse me, uh, Microsoft generally they sort of kept their rent because a AAA game. In Australia, is normally about Australia, 80 Australian dollars. Um, Xbox generally were about that, although I think they're trying... No, actually, um, Redfall, that we just came out, that's that's now $125. Um, the Switch games, uh, I think the biggest one was um, Tears of Kingdom, which was only... Which was, rather than $80, it was $90. Yeah. And people still got up in arms about that. Um, but anyway, yeah, with Spider-Man 10, it looks awesome. Um, probably wait until hopefully it goes on special. Uh, with the other two, with these PlayStation ones, the other two ones, probably, um, Metal Gear Solid Collection, um, which, <laughs> thank God, 
are finally re-releasing that. Yeah, I saw as well that there's a decent chance that Metal Gear Solid 4 is also going to be in one of those collections. Because the one that they announced first was like the collection volume 1, I think, which implies that there are going to be more of them. And if Metal Gear Solid 4 is in there, then, oh man, it'll finally be on a console that isn't exclusively the PS3 and nothing else. Exactly, because yeah, with the, with the first collection, it's a standard Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3, which is sort of what you would expect. expect. And so, oh, like, um, they've also got um, like the original Metal Gear, Metal Gear 2 for the MSX. Uh, they were bonuses in the Metal Gear 3 uh, re-release. Uh, apparently also releasing the NES versions of uh, Metal Gear 1 and Snake's Revenge. Yeah. that Those games that are like... I, I If memory serves, it takes a while to come to the realization, but they are actually important and canonical for the overarching Metal Gear storyline, right? Hmm. With the original, uh, with the original MSX games. Or the NES ones. The NES ones. I I honestly don't know much about the MSX ones. Yeah. So with the with the yeah with the Nintendo yeah with the, the MSX ones they the, the the original, um originally from Hideo Kojima, uh productions. Um the NES is a re- sort of a remake of the first one, and then Snacks Revenge is its own thing. It's considered non-canon. Oh really? Yeah. But this is sort of the first time they've actually ever been sort of re-released. That's cool. It's a nice little bit of gaming history that you can experience, perhaps for the first time, if you're like me and are young enough to not entirely know what an MSX is. <laughs> uh, but yeah, with this collection, yeah, uh, yeah, I dare say with the Volume 2, because hopefully it's uh, it'll definitely be one of them will be Peace Walker, the one that came out on the PSP, and then hopefully Metal Gear Solid Four. But it's just going to be interesting what sort of if they're gonna like if there's going to be a third game, if it's going to be Metal Gear Solid Five, or Metal Gear Solid Portable Ops, which was also on the PSP. Mm, yeah, I think like Five is recent enough that they wouldn't have to put it into like a collection, right? It was last gen. So yeah, exactly. you could you probably can, just you, re-release it for like digital platforms and just have it be like a sort of backwards compatible thing. Because the, like the, the, Xbox, the Xbox Series X and the PS5 are both capable of playing previous gen games. So I don't even think they'd have to. Yeah, and that would sort of, uh, if, they, if it's not Metal Gear Solid 5, um, that could sort of help out with the Switch because probably Metal Gear Solid 5 would probably be a bit too much for it whereas Ooh, if it's, yeah. um put yeah portable ops and um, peace walker definitely can run on switch because it was originally on uh, psp and then hopefully yeah um it should you should be able to do metal gear if they do it right you should be able to do metal gear solid 4 on the switch have you uh what's your experience with playing metal gear solid games because mine is extremely limited i played metal gear solid 3 on 3ds you know, uh, the one that I didn't have the like X, the extension that gave you a second analog stick. So I had to use the face buttons for camera controls. Uh, oh no. <laughs> and that is the only way I have ever played Metal Gear Solid 3. 
Uh, and I played, um, God, what was the the demo version of the little prequel game for Metal Gear Solid Five? What was that one called? Oh, yeah, um, Grand Metal Gear Solid Five Grand Zeros. Grand Zeros. Yeah, I played a bit of Grand Zeros and couldn't really get on with the controls, uh, so I didn't play that much of it. But I'm excited to have the ability to like go through it in sequence because the story is one of the main draws of Metal Gear Solid. There's a lot going on there. And for me, especially, like, I have some context. I've seen videos of especially Metal Gear Solid 2, what's going on in that one. There's a really good video by Super Bunny Hop, if you're familiar with that YouTube channel. It's really, really old, the video is at least, and it's it's really interesting. Uh, so I kind of know what's going on, but I have very little context. Yeah, because like I'm a, I'm a, I am a huge uh, Metal Gear Solid fan. Um, just I love, I, I love the series. It's it's so weird, so in like so conspir- conspiratorial. Okay, are are you a big enough fan that you were like, okay? It's a Metal Gear game, so I'm going to buy Metal Gear Survive? Or are you a big enough fan to say, this looks like a terrible Metal Gear game. I'm not going to buy Metal Gear Survive. <laughs> Definitely the latter. <laughs> I... Yeah, because... Um, yeah, def- def- yeah I, I don't know why... Oh, well, I know why Konami released that. Um, but yeah, I... Yeah, definitely like like definitely Metal Gear Solid Five when I had it on the PS4 got that day one. That's sort of the Metal Gear Solid fan I am. Um, but yeah, in, in, in saying that, um, there's also going to be a they're going to do a whole remaster of Metal Gear Solid Three, which is called Metal Gear Solid Delta Snake Eater. Um, so this is going to be this at the. Metal Gear Solid 3, which canonically is the f- first in the series. Um, they're going to apparently now start off with that. So they only, they only did a slight teaser trailer, but that looks to be, um, that looks to be interesting how that goes. I hopefully that'll be really good. I can play that day one. What? Okay. Based purely on let, let's do some fun speculation here. Do you think it'll be a, very faithful remake or do you think it's going to be sort of like a uh like they've been doing recently with final fantasy 7 and the resident evil remakes where they change some things up to keep even people who are very familiar with the original games on their toes see there's two two aspects of it um that makes me think about this like you've definitely got the Metal Gear Solid Five, which is um sort of Metal Gear Solid Five Peace Walker sort of style of play, which is effectively like you go in, you drop into a mission, you sort of do a certain mission, like sort of capture enemy or capture outpost, and then sort of get out of there. Um, whereas like with the original Metal Gear Solid games, that was sort of like one big long continuous story. So I'm wondering if they sort of if they're going with recent Metal Gear Solid games, if they'll do that. But then also, um, from what I from what I heard, um, they they're not. It's not going to be revoice like new voice lines. Like they're going to use the original audio for the voices. 
That is good to hear, because uh, Kiefer Sutherland replacing David Hayter was not a popular choice. Uh, and, I mean, again, having almost exclusively played Metal Gear Solid 3, I have played that game on 3DS all the way through like three times, so it is one that I am quite familiar with, but yeah, the voice acting in that game is occasionally very cheesy, but that's, you know, it's part of the charm. You don't want to... That, that's it. That's and it. like, like, like they did with the Resident Evil 4, like they recast a lot of the voice actors and the, the merchant was one of the like most beloved parts of that game from a like voice acting perspective. And it's distractingly different now. And so the, the fact that they're not doing that for a game as, I guess, tightly directed as Metal Gear Solid 3 is uh, a, a rare W from Konami. Um, so yeah, that'll be interesting how, when that comes out. Uh, Microsoft side, I um, only a couple of games are there. Uh, Fable uh, looks in- interesting. They're finally uh, redoing that. Although if it's anything like the... Because there was going to be like a one for the original Xbox One that never came out. So hopefully this doesn't end up in limbo like that one as well. Wasn't wasn't that one going to be like a heavy Connect game? Or am I thinking of a different one? Uh, I think this one was sort of like a... Uh, like a sort of a Gears of War shooter-esque one they were trying to go for. Like four-player doing missions what i badly remember how wait how how would you do a cover shooter in fable that like the best you got is like flintlock that would be odd yeah and so i don't think that that's why i end up canning it um the, the trailer itself it was just like in game but it's sort of like a um, story based no actual gameplay and the other two games are the new Yakuza Like a Dragon, Infinite Wealth. So this is the sequel to Yakuza 7. So Yakuza Like a Dragon. Uh, like Metal Gear, I'm a huge fan of that, like crazy insane stories with that one. I I don't know Yakuza very well at all. Uh, it it seems like, okay, here's, here's my two cents on Yakuza. It seems like a game series that I would really, really enjoy because it, it, I actually read an interesting article recently, and I can't remember who wrote it or what the publication was, but that Yakuza Zero and the Yakuza franchise in general has shares a lot of DNA with uh, professional wrestling. Uh, yes, there are straight up like pro wrestlers from New Japan pro wrestling in at least one of the Yakuza games. Uh, uh, yeah. There's Kazuchika Okada, Tetsuya Naito, and others. Uh, but yeah, like it, it. They seem like games that I would really enjoy, but I am terrified that that is a rabbit hole that I would not want to go down. <laughs> and if I do, I would never be able to escape. Yes, <laughs> I can attest to that. That is, um, if you do find it like cheap. I'd say give it a try. Most of them are on Game Pass, which is encouraging. That's how I ended up um, playing them on Game Pass. Um, and then the last game, um, sort of my interest uh, for Microsoft was Starfield. 
Um, this looks to be huge. Uh, we've sort of more, got more concrete gameplay of it. Um, just seems like you know, people making comparisons to No Man's Sky. Sort of No Man's Sky was sort of more integrated story. Um, they even had the... <laughs> yeah, as a joke, they had the... I don't know what his name is. It's sort of like the the the, the blonde the blonde character who's a fan of yours in, in, in Elder Scrolls Oblivion. Yes. Oh, the champion, the champion. I never played Oblivion. I cannot answer this question for you. Oh, okay. Um, it's it's very memeable, memeable. So um, I'll. <laughs> it was just a, it was just a nice little nod. But they, this sort of um, I just don't know how it's gonna play out because you know you got all these Bethesda games today look incredible in the startup, and then you actually play it, and then it's like, oh yes. This is a Bethesda game. Yeah, this is going to be wacky bugs and, you know, frame rate issues. They did say after, like, a couple days after the trailer, I think, that I, was it, I think it was Phil Spencer? Spencer. Who did give an interview with, like, Game Informer? GameSpot? One of those two? uh, Where he was like, yeah, um, we are aware of bethesda games's reputation and we are happy to announce that there are fewer bugs than you would expect from a bethesda game (laughs) because not no bugs just fewer bugs um that because we politely but i'm paraphrasing there are a lot of things that i am saying that i'm editorializing also a little bit uh because we politely but firmly asked Bethesda to uh, delay its release for another six-ish months to uh, give it a little... Because they, they at, at a certain point, were like, okay, yeah, we think this is more or less ready to ship. We just got to do some finishing touches. And then Xbox was like, eh, maybe give it another six months. You know, just, just in case. <laughs> like, yeah. Starfield has been hyped up for long enough that... This is one I don't think they want to mess up. Uh, yeah. And I, I do feel like the general gaming public has become a little less forgiving about extremely buggy launches. Like, yeah. I mean, you, you can take Cyberpunk 2077 as, as a reasonable case study there. Admittedly, yeah. CD Projekt Red doesn't have the reputation that Bethesda does. So people might be a little bit more forgiving of Starfield. But yeah, uh, a, a little more time in the oven is is going to help it not be undercooked to keep using this extremely strained metaphor. Hopefully that'll be, hopefully it's, um, it'll at least be the fun bugs when it does come out. The ones that they've said they haven't quashed yet. Yeah, it, it has just... The bar, I can't believe I'm saying this about a video game, but again, it's Bethesda. The bar is low enough that we can say, as long as it just works, you know, like it, it doesn't crash. There's no like game breaking bugs. There's no inabilities to continue quests. As long as the bar is, that bar is met, I think people will accept the fact that this is a good game. Um, and then sort of the last one um, is the Nintendo Direct that was sort of um, sprung up 24 hours 
before. Uh, midnight for me when it came out. Though I did end up watching it at midnight. Good lord, man. Yes. I, it was like 3, 4 p.m. for me. Uh. <laughs> so that would have been perfect. That would have been, oh, I mean, I probably would have been working then. But still, a little bit more perfect. Um, yeah. But out of those, um, Sonic Superstars looks interesting. Um, going the whole Sonic Generations classic Sonic route. Um, hopefully that comes out not with the... Hopefully that comes out really well. Uh, I think it's made by the same developers who did... Um, is it the same ones who did Sonic Mania? I believe so, yes. Okay, that gives and, me that and gives they are hope. committed, I believe, to like keeping the nostalgic Sonic feel without doing too many rehashes. Like, oh look, it's Chemical Plant Zone again, and Chemical Plant Zone. There's a lot you can say about it. Uh, one of the main things is baller music, but that's true for most Sonic games in general. But yeah, like we've played Chemical Plant Zone by now. So the fact that they are, they have straight up said, like, we are going to try and do as much new stuff as possible is definitely very encouraging. Exactly. Um, next one, Mantris, uh, Super Mario RPG. Uh, it's not going to be re-released on the, virtu- on the Switch Online Virtual Console. It's actually getting its own remake. That's one that a lot of people have been clamoring for, I believe, because... Um, there are a number of really good Super Mario RPGs. My personal favorite is Superstar Saga, although I have not played Super Mario RPG because I never owned a Super Nintendo. Uh, but yeah, that I'm really excited to play it because I, I love games like that. I love RPGs, JR, turn-based RPGs. And uh, if it's as good as people say, uh, I'm really excited. Yeah, yeah, I've... Um... I've owned it like on like the previous virtual consoles, but I've never finished it. Um, so hopefully it'd be good. Try it out. Um, Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon. So Luigi's Mansion 2 for the Nintendo 3DS. That's getting remade on Switch. Um, so that's going to be, that'll be good. Um, hopefully they also do uh, Luigi's Mansion 1 down the track as well. That way then you get, you get all the, um, all the Luigi's Mansion games on the one system, like the, like Pikmin. Um, yeah, their Pik- Pikmin one and two are now going on to um, Switch. It is kind of funny. Like, so, apologies for skipping ahead a little bit, but they also gave more information on Pikmin four. Uh, and it is kind of funny to me that the the way it was sort of presented was, oh, look at this. Uh, there, there's some amount of tactical thing, but there's a lot of solving puzzles and. Uh, interacting with the cute little things in the small, like you are of small stature, so a lot of quote-unquote normal things would be larger than usual. But the presentation was, oh, look at this cute world and all this stuff. And I've never played a Pikmin game, but by reputation, I'm given to understand that they are the most stressful games that Nintendo has ever made. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and so the little dissonance there I found quite <laughs> funny. Uh, yeah. I've only ever beaten um I only played and beaten Pikmin 3. Uh on the original Wii U. Nice. One of like Okay, I, I'm a, 
I, I recognize what I'm about to say is maybe a little facetious, but I am exaggerating for comedic effect. Oh, cool. One of like three games worth playing on the Wii U. <laughs> oh, Wii U. Rest in peace. Oh, okay. Wii U fans, I know all seven of you are going to be mad at me for that, but I'm making a joke. I'm doing a bit for comedic effect. I, I'm a Vita owner. I know your pain. Oh, oh don't get me started on the Vita. <laughs> um, uh, Batman Arkham Trilogy is coming out on Switch. Interesting. Okay, so uh, I, I I've played Arkham Asylum and a bit of Arkham City. So correct me if I'm wrong, but there's four Arkham games, right? Yes, there is. So are they... Okay, so it goes Asylum, City, Night? It goes um, Asylum, then City, then Origins, then Night. Okay, so are they just ignoring the fact that Night exists? No, 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 not... No, Night is the... It was the last one they did. That was the one that was released on Xbox One and PS4. It's Arkham Origins that they're sort they're forgetting yeah because that was developed by not by Rocksteady not by Rocksteady it was developed by I don't know another developer uh, it's not considered as good as the others. Okay, so the trilogy then is Asylum City Night. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I understand. And um, th- yeah, this is interesting because like. Arkham and uh, yeah, Arkham and City. Um, they were released on Xbox 360, PS3, so Switch should handle it fine. Um, Arkham Knight was a PS4, Xbox One, so that's going to be interesting how to uh, how that runs on the Switch. I recently reinstalled Arkham Asylum to play on my PC, and wow, I I will say one thing about it: a, it still looks fine. Like a lot of that generation visually still holds up really well, but. Oh man, it was so nice that the entire download for it was like 11 gigabytes. <laughs> like I I also recently installed Borderlands 3 to play with my brother and that thing's like 80 or like 90 gigabytes. Oh yeah. What the hell? <sighs> I need a bigger yeah. hard drive for my PC. Like um I think like the Master Chief collection is like 130 gig. Yeah, and like Thankfully, that, that that at least the install for that is modular. You know, if you don't want to play the multiplayers, you don't have to install them. Uh, but still, wow, high definition textures and so many polygons—it's infuriating. <laughs> Next game, sort of a uh, WarioWare Move It. Um, so another WarioWare game, and they're going more into motion control. So it's sort of. Seems like a spiritual successor to um, BioWare Shake It for the Wii, which I loved. Like, it was like people bang on about, you know, oh, the Wii was just, you know, full of motion control games. I think WarioWare did it right. It was um, it was fun. And hopefully WarioWare Move It is also um, sort of the same caliber. What One thing that people who complain about the motion controls... Uh, on Wii games tend to forget is that the motion controls in Wii games did make it one of the like most successful consoles of all time like uh, obviously there there is a discussion to be had about like 
physical accessibility of mandatory motion controls. Uh, but there's a reason that you occasion that you pretty regularly nowadays see like a Nintendo Wii set up in like a care home so that people who are maybe not the most mobile can still do something fun with their time that doesn't involve like I I'm about to use a stereotype here but like crossword puzzles you know like once you understand like the the motion controls of something like Wii Sports is reasonably intuitive. Like, if you're doing Wii Bowling, you're doing something that resembles rolling the bowling ball, whereas someone who isn't like the two of us and hasn't played video games for basically their entire lives may not understand how to hold just, like, a PS4 controller, you know? Uh, I, I had an experience during the pandemic where... My mom was quite bored, as many of us were, and so I recommended her a couple of, like, mobile games. And there was a moment where she got to the first level of Monument Valley. She played the first level of Monument Valley, and she finished the level, but she didn't understand how to go to the next one because there was just this symbol on screen, and she didn't have the experience of playing a lot of video games that would tell her, okay, I have to press on that symbol to go to the next one. You know, if you don't have that background, it can just as easily look like, mm. okay, cool, like little decoration on the screen. Nice. Now what? You know? And again, like the the physical accessibility of mandatory motion controls is a different discussion and an important discussion and one that I am not strictly speaking <laughs> qualified to have but yep <laughs> motion controls uh it is it is a very fun and a very different way of experiencing video games and I'm glad that uh what is it Wardyware move it yeah is is exploring that space a little more because a lot of those micro games they look very fun uh and it's also building on the foundations of was it one two switch the like launch title party game yes it it's a cool design space that similarly to vr does have some limitations but it's a cool thing to be exploring for sure i remember when i first got my Wii, I um I got I raced home from work because my I had my friend um pick it up for me. I raced home to their place, picked it up, went home, and the idea was that okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna play because that was when Twilight Princess came as well. So okay, I'm gonna sit down, I'm gonna play Twilight Princess, and then I set it set it up and it's like okay, um I'm gonna try Wii Sports, see how it is. Uh, really got into it, and then because I was still living with my my parents and my my brothers were still living at home as well. And we had, I had put, uh, put in a TV, what do you, the Wii on the upstairs TV, and we all had a fun blast on that night. I think that was probably the only time we've ever really done that. And I remember, I think it was really fun. And just, I remember the, the next morning, I think, waking up and thinking, ow, I'm so sore. Why am I so sore? Oh, that's right. I was playing Wii, Wii bowling. Yeah, uh, I recently discovered or rediscovered i guess that 
that thing that they say about like oh if you use muscles you haven't used for a while uh for the first time again they get sore uh turns out that's true um, yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and sort of last one probably the the highlight of the direct is super mario brothers wonder oh um another two yeah new for the 2d mario but not in the vein of the new super mario brothers series it's got its own particular sort of art style uh i looking at it it looked like i couldn't quite work it out and it reminded me the the snoopy movies the recent ones have just come out they're sort of like it's still it's a 3d movie but it's sort of like set out like to look like a 2d sort of squished together yeah just with their yeah it just look it just looks so expressive um the way you can look at mario like he's just not just some 3d polygon he's just like he's got he's got emote like like he got facial emotions um it just looks it just looks so good i i am a a recent convert to mario platformers actually i i have played a lot of them over the course of my life but I never really liked the way they they felt to play uh, until I played uh, Super Mario Odyssey. You may have heard of it. Uh, <laughs> it's, oh, that game is like, that game is the perfect game for like, yeah, I'm feeling kind of down. I, I want to play something that'll just cheer me up. Super Mario Odyssey. Oh, perfect. One, one of my favorite games of all time. And so now I've gone back and I've been able to reevaluate some of the Mario games I've played in the past. Like before the uh, Nintendo, the 3DS eShop closed, I bought Super Mario 3D Land. Land was the one for 3DS, yeah? Yeah, I, I, before the shop closed, I bought that as well. Yeah, and, I, and I've been playing that like on and off recently, and I'm enjoying it a lot more this time. I I understand like what you need to play these games properly now and, and odyssey helped me with that and yeah i'm super excited for wonder uh it's like it's coming out in like october right that's pretty soon yeah it's october i think um and I, yeah that's coming out in october and i think mario rpg is coming out in november so really close to each other yeah i'm gonna end up using that um finally use one of those game vouchers that they do we get you bet you get like you pay for like a, a shortened cost, but you get two games of it. So I'll use it for both of those. Oh, nice. Yeah, and uh, Elephant Mario. Big oh, fan, yes. Big fan of Elephant <laughs> Mario. I do not care what the gameplay implications of Elephant Mario are. I love <laughs> Elephant Mario. Oh, my goodness. Elephant Mario, Elephant Luigi, Elephant Peach and Daisy, Elephant Toad. Yeah. Playable Daisy, it looks like. Yes. That's wild in a oh. in one of the platformers. She's usually just like in the sports games and stuff. Yeah, because I think the only other time Daisy was in a platformer was Super Mario Run. Was that the like mobile one? Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, hopefully there's more characters like say Wario, Waluigi. That'd be interesting. Yeah, I. Hmm. <laughs> On the one hand, like I, I am a card-carrying Waluigi fan, uh, so it would be nice to see him playable in more than just like Mario Kart and Mario sports games. But on the other hand, I, I do recognize the comedic value of 
just keeping the bit going where he's never actually a playable character. Because <laughs> uh, once once we get that, what are we going to do? You know, we like we have nothing more to complain about on Twitter. That's not true. There's there there will always be something. It's Twitter. Hopefully, at least Warrior gets in. Yeah. All right, and that's sort of uh, my thoughts on the um, on those uh, well presentations and directs. Yeah, some genuinely exciting stuff coming out in the near future. Again, like it, it is quite interesting that we are getting more and more announcements for like later this year, whereas previously it felt more like and. I mean, it, we talked about Starfield, like they announced Starfield years ago, but now we're getting like IS and Mario, Super Mario Wonder is coming out in, mm. but yeah, it's coming out in like four months. That's wild. That's it. On the one hand, it is cool that you don't have to wait for things that long. On the other hand, it is, uh, I don't know if you follow Magic the Gathering at all, but there is kind of a burnout of just a perpetual hype cycle of like, all right, the new set is out. Previews for the next one start next week. You know? Yeah. Because the last time I think they did it was was like with the Switch launch. Was like, yeah, you had, um, yeah, you just had uh, Breath of the Wild. Then I think um, Breath of the Wild, um, Splatoon 2, Mario Odyssey in the same year. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, with all these releases, um, you Switch 2 truthers out there are going to have to wait a bit longer, I feel. Oh, my God. Uh, oh. <laughs> Don't get me started on that. Uh, <laughs> uh, sorry, just... I do like obviously there is going to be new hardware at some point but I think mm. the switch is just so like it's so popular right now it's still selling gangbusters and the games are doing yeah. so well that mm. it's not going to happen for a while I'm sorry it's just not and given that you ask me to not get you started I think we should cut the discussion off there and move on yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> So in saying that, yeah, Hilka, you've been playing some um, Drew uh, Blue Dragon. Um, how's that going for you? I have. Uh, so I recently purchased a an Xbox Series X. Uh, yes, because I got a very large television and I wanted a console for my living room and I could afford it. And I, I went back and forth between like, okay, so a dock for my Steam Deck was the cheapest option but it was also by far the most limited option in what you can play on it. Then there was the PS5, which had some exclusives that I wanted. Uh, I say that. Basically, the only one I really was interested in was God of War Ragnarok, and that's also on PS4, and I have a PS4. So, yeah. And that'll end up coming out on PC. Yeah, I would probably have to upgrade my PC for that, but that's a problem for future Hilka. Um and then the Xbox Series X was cheaper than the PS5 by like 50 bucks, uh, even more because I got a refurbished one. Um, and it had a it has a big library of backwards compatible games, uh, a lot of which are on are through Game Pass, 
and some of which you can just buy. And so Blue Dragon is one of those because Blue Dragon originally came out for Xbox 360 and is only ever came out on Xbox 360. There was a like sequel spin-off on Nintendo DS called Blue Dragon Plus, but it was like like I said it was a it was a sequel. It was a tactical RPG, not a turn-based one like the original is. Are you uh, familiar with this game like at all? The only thing I know about this game is that the art, I think the art design um, was... Uh, Akira Toriyama. Uh, Akira Toriyama, yes. The, the, uh, the fellow who did um, Dragon Quest and um, Dragon Ball. Yes, and boy can you tell. Uh, there, there's this particular way that Akira Toriyama draws faces that is very him. And sure <laughs> enough, that's the case in this game as well. It's got some other exciting names attached to it as well. Uh, I'm going to do my best to pronounce this. Nobuo Uematsu. Uh, like, a one a significant composer for the Final Fantasy series. I believe composed, like, the main Final Fantasy theme song. Oh. Uh, yeah. And uh, here's a wild one for you. Also on the team behind this game, Ian Gillen of Deep Purple fame. Oh! nice yeah so the the fun thing about that is so the music is composed by uematsu and then there's the boss theme which has vocals by ian gillen of deep purple and is like (laughs) a rock song like everything else is sort of like synthetic orchestra like if if we talked i think one of the previous episodes we talked about the dragon quest 11 soundtrack how it's like synthesized orchestra it sounds a little cheap especially the the switch one this is like one grade in quality higher than that it still sounds a little synthetic but it is by and large orchestral sounding and then you get in the boss fight and suddenly ian gillen is screaming at you and (laughs) singing a song where the lyrics don't make a lick of sense uh if you're looking for it on YouTube, it's called Eternity. Uh, have fun. It's wild. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it it's it's a it's a really interesting take on a turn-based RPG because one of the main things that makes it different is a lot of attacks that your characters can do, uh, spells and stuff like that. There's a little meter that pops up, and you have to hold down the A button. And the further along the meter you go, the more powerful your attack will be. But the later in the round your attack will happen. Okay. So while it is turn-based, you can get very tactical with who takes their turn when. So you can uh. engineer scenarios where you're like... And, and when you're in a battle, you can see the like turn order just on screen. So you're like, okay... My one of my melee attackers is going before this enemy, so I can use their strong melee attack to defeat this enemy before they get to act, and then my spellcasters can act and take out the rest. There is oh, there is a, a cool amount of tactics you can have with that. That that's more than what you'd see in like a classic um, Final Fantasy game. Uh, I will warn people out there. If you are a completionist, this game will drive you up the wall. Uh, Because a fun little quirk, in air quotes, of this game is pretty much everything in the environment is interactable. Like, 
you go up to like a jar or a rock you press a and sometimes you'll get a little bonus item like like 10 gold or a potion or little things like that uh sometimes if you're lucky you'll get like some bonus xp points um or some really good items and sometimes you'll get nothing and there's sometimes a really funny animation where your lead character will like kick the rock but their leg will go stiff and their whole body will vibrate because there's nothing there (laughs) and the most infuriating thing with that is you do still get rewards eventually for not finding anything because there's a guy in one of the major cities who collects nothings and like the first yeah if you get 50 nothings you get like a special accessory that can boost your character stats and then 100 then 200 then 400 and so on and so on so you have got you've got to be kidding me oh my god so the like objectively perfect way to play this game is to just in literally every area of the game except like the overworld sections where there's not where that's not possible you have to go up to literally every object you see in every room and try to see if there's something there (laughs) now at at least now can you tell me at least is it when you interact with an object one time regardless if you get nothing or something that's the only time that object is interacting it doesn't like sort of like does it respawn or anything like that no it's it's a one-time thing you don't have to go back and do it again oh but just still. create an infinite loop. Well, you could like farm items that way. They probably wouldn't want to do that. But yeah, that does it at least give you a notification. It's like something to say, okay, you've already dealt with this one. Um, it just like won't respond anymore. Like you'll press the A button oh. and literally nothing will happen. Uh, oh, like when no. when there is nothing in there the first time, you get like like the literal word nothing will come out of the item will, will come out of the object. And you'll hear a little voice that says nothing. Uh, <laughs> but when there's literally actually nothing there and you've already interacted with it, just nothing will happen. As opposed to nothing, the word and the voice line will happen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a game that I played when I owned a 360 back in the day. Um, it And I never finished it. It came on three discs, and I think at some point I lost one of the discs so i never finished it so now having the opportunity to play it again is a lot of fun uh like dragon quest treasures which we talked about last episode god i hope that's true um it is definitely designed for a younger audience than i am when i played it the first time when i was in high school i was you know when you're a teenager you're like oh i'm not a kid anymore and i don't like kid stuff anymore so a lot of the characters, there's one character in specific, Marumaro, who, uh, is it? No, it's, who is voiced by Nika Futterman, who, if you're a fan of Psychonauts, you might recognize that name, um, or Avatar The Last Airbender, uh, who is, who was, at the time, I thought the most annoying, the most annoying character I had ever experienced in a piece of media, um, because his voice is extremely grating and he yells a lot. Uh, now that I'm a little bit older, by like 11 years, 
I have learned to recognize that this is just an aspect of the game that is designed for children. Uh, when I say children, I don't mean like six-year-olds. I mean like young teens, you know, like 11, 12 kind of thing. Um, but yeah, now that I'm older and I can recognize it as part of the genre, it's not nearly as annoying as I thought it, as I used to think. Uh, but it's it's great. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it is a very classic style RPG. Uh, but you do have a lot of customization because in in stuff like Final Fantasy III, you have a job system. This also has sort of a job system, but you can like mix and match abilities from jobs you have levels in. Oh, nice. So, for example, uh, and leveling up in those jobs gets you different abilities. So what you can do is one of the abilities that the Black Mage gets is uh, MP regeneration. Uh, so as you're walking through the world, your MP of your Black Mage will very slowly come back with like, you get one point every, I don't know, like 10 to 15 steps. It's not much, but it adds up. And so what you can do is you can say like, okay, I'm going to give my white mage a couple levels in black mage until I get that ability and then switch him back to white mage. And, but then he'll, you can still have the black mage ability of MP regeneration. So both oh, your no. casters will be able to like cast more spells more regularly. It's a clever system that you can use to make some pretty, uh, nutso combos, uh, hot tip for you. If you're playing this game for the first time, uh, the monk class. Marumaru starts as a monk. You don't get him until later in the game. But, like, the monk class is the most ridiculous physical attacker in the game. You will deal so much damage with no, never needing to use MP on those characters. Uh, good lord. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I don't really have much to say about it other than, like, the team behind it is really wild, like I said. A JRPG with Ian Gillen of Deep Purple? <laughs> like... <laughs> That's wild. It, it is just... If, if you're not ready for it and the first boss fight starts, it will throw you for a loop. It's... Oh. Uh, <laughs> it's so fun. It's, <laughs> it's the kind of weird dissonance that just it just makes me laugh you know because it doesn't fit at all but uh i'm i'm purely speculating here when i say it genuinely feels like uematsu was like i'm a big fan of deep purple i wonder if i could <laughs> work with any of the yep. deep purple guys and so he asked and they said yes <laughs> but yeah if you've got a uh an xbox 360 and you can track a copy down or you can get it off the uh, digital store. It's not on Game Pass. You do have to, like, buy it. But I haven't finished it yet. I'm, like, f about 15 hours in. And that is, like, past the content of disc one. So I, like, I, I feel like I'm I'm a little under halfway done. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's definitely for, if you're my age... It's definitely for a generation that's younger than you, but you probably still have a good time. You feel like fun JRPGs. Nice. But again, if you're like a perfectionist 
big fan of collecting things, uh, be careful. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe give this one a a miss just in case. Pick up every every nothing in the game. Um, but that's good with the um, because yeah, it's on Xbox 360. But at least yeah, you can play it on the Xbox One consoles or the Xbox Series consoles. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, can I just ask a question? Um, did you consider with the Series X? Was it mostly just because of the power, um, like the power, or was it also because it had a disc drive? Um, honestly, most of the reason I went for the Series X is for the extra storage space. Because oh, the okay. Series S has a way smaller hard drive, or SSD, I think, technically. Uh, the extra power is, you know, not insignificant for sure. But the Series S has like 250, maybe 512 gigs. And the Series X has a terabyte. And there were a couple of games on Game Pass uh, that are very large that I wanted to download. I may or may not be talking about one of them later in this podcast. <laughs> yeah so that's why i went for the series x but i i do like the disc drive on it i haven't used it yet it is nice that it also functions as a blu-ray player i've got a couple blu-rays um and it's quieter than my ps4 for playing those so uh, that's also a, a nice little bonus although apparently now there's going to release release a series s with one terabyte of storage base now Oh, really? I hadn't heard about that. I I will say it is very funny that the Series X, like, I I knew it wasn't going to be small, but unpacking it out of the box was like, good lord, I bought a mini fridge. There's just a mini fridge sitting under my TV now. I'll take that over the PS5, which is just, like, doesn't fit into anything anywhere. I do not like the the design of the PS5. At least with the the Series X, it's it's big, but it's... It's a rectangle. Yeah. You know, yeah. So yeah, so it's just this weird curves. curves. This is not an original joke. I, I don't know where I heard it originally from, but uh, if you're a fan of Yu-Gi-Oh, enjoy your console that looks like Seto, Seto Kaiba's coat. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know who you're talking about, yes. <laughs> I have straight up seen a picture where like someone had their PS5 and they put like a Seto Kaiba <laughs> head on top of it. And it... it yeah. Goodler, it just looks the same. It's so funny. I, I, okay, I do genuinely like a lot of stuff that's on the PS5, but I, I why, why does it look like that? Why would you do I that? It's w- so hard to clean too. You have to get in all the like grooves and stuff. Good lord. Hopefully, with the re- when they do the like the PS5 Slim, it will be a more basic design. Yeah, more functional. Mm. But that was interesting. You were speaking to you about um, wanting to possibly, like, first of all, like using a dock on the Steam Deck because I actually ended up getting a dock uh, for my Steam Deck. Nice. How's that been going for you? Good. I got I got a U green one. Um, seems to function pretty pretty well. Um, it's got all the major ports in the back, so it's like HDMI, some USB ports, and Ethernet. And it's got one USB C USB port on the side because the other like the other docs I was looking at um they have the so they had the Ethernet port on the side and it's like why would you have it on the side it's gonna stick out 
Yeah. Yeah. The only issue with this one is that it's it, it, it tries to accommodate like Steam Deck cases. And so the back of it is like higher than what I think the original Steam Deck dock is. And unfortunately, if you level it at um, center, it's going to cover the back vents, the intake vents, which is not ideal. No, that's not. That Steam Deck can get pretty warm. Mm. Oh, yes. Very noisy, very warm. The fix is that you simply just shift the extra Steam Deck to the side because um, the it doesn't affect like the, the, the length of the USB-C cable. Um, but... Yeah, you stick it aside, and the air vents. Um, you can actually, um, you can actually. Uh, it, they're, they're not covered, so it lo- looks a little bit strange, but um, it functions. Uh, but with that, uh, because they got that, because they ended up um, picked up. Uh, was playing some Fallout Four. Um, I initially picked it up on Steam, like a back when I first got the Steam Deck, because about like seven dollars on Steam. Oh yeah, those those Bethesda games like. They, they go on sale for dirt cheap sometimes. Mm. But I didn't realize at the time when I got it, I got the base version. And I didn't realize at the time, oh, wait a minute. I, I've already played the, I already played um, Fallout 4 on the PS4. And so I sort of, if I wanted to, I wanted to get with, with the DLC as well, with the season pass. And that went back up and um, ended up being, I uh, had to wait a little while, but I finally got it at a good price with the DLC. Um, so ended up picking that up only that said a week ago yeah i've been playing <laughs> i've been playing full f4 non-stop um with the dlc that i got uh includes um basically got uh, the one scott auto matron uh wasteland workshop far harbor contraptions vault tech workshop and nuka world um the wasteland workshop contraptions are uh, they're, they're straight up building dlcs so you know, as you know, expand your base. You know, you got conveyor belts, or you know, you can make certain contraptions. Um, and I don't, I could care less about the building in Fallout. It really, it gets tedious. Yeah, in my opinion, like you're sort of like having you go in a section to you know, try and you have to go. Okay, you have to build this thing. All right, fair enough. You have to go get these resources. Well, where do I get these resources for? Do you have to go out hunt for them, or can I have to go out and go a shop and buy them? So I really just felt like, um, like I understand it can get really huge. Like I understand, you know, sort of the Minecraft aspect, you know, you can build these really big, th- big things. But if you're not really into that, it's sort of, they put it enough into the game where it becomes annoying. Yeah, because I, I haven't played a lot of Fallout 4, but I am reasonably familiar with it. Like you have to do a bunch of the base expansion stuff and then you have to build that big portal to get to the Institute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and so it, it's j- just enough in there that you can't ignore it, basically. Yeah, yeah, you have to, you have, you have to do it. Like going back to say, like Tears of the Kingdom, um, with that game, yes, you do got the thing, you know, the fusing ability. You have to, you can make some big contraptions, but I felt like you sort of with it, it's easier to do, um, because basically it relies on stuff that's just on the ground where you are, so you're not really. You don't have to go back, get something, go back in. Um, and it's not, I didn't really feel like I had to do it. It sort of felt like it was just an optional thing. Be, it makes stuff easier to do, but wasn't something you sort of like really force you into it. And the advantage that Tears of the Kingdom has as well is 
you get to use your own creativity. Like if you want to make a bed in Fallout 4, you have to like, okay, what's the recipe for a bed? And then you go find those resources and congratulations, it's the same bed that literally everybody else would make. Exactly. It's not something that you can actually get. Yeah, not something you can actually go ahead and use. You can't it'd be interesting if you could fuse a bed into your sword on Tears of Kingdom. That'd have been an interesting <laughs> weapon. Uh. <laughs> oh, I'm um, just imagining like uh God. You know how in, in Monster Hunter you have the, the switch axe? No, not the switch axe, the charge blade. The one that's a sword and oh, shield, yeah. and then you stick the shield mm-hmm. onto the sword. I'm just imagining yeah. like two halves of a bed making up the shield <laughs> on a really big master sword. Mm. <laughs> <sighs> um so with this deal yeah, with the DLC, um the Automatron, um uh, this is for sort of like what I consider like the first proper um like story based DLC. It's got its own sort of um oh, oh sorry before that there's also one uh Voltec workshop which is it's got a very base bare bones story and effectively it's basically how do you build your own like fallout vault it's really just a bunch of crafting abilities um so that's annoying um didn't care for that automatron is the one that's got like a proper story and that has you um hunting the beca- what's called the mechanist and fighting evil robots uh, there's a new faction within the game because uh, you've got certain factions within um, Fallout. So you've got like Gunners, you've got Raiders, you've got um, the Brotherhood of Steel, uh, the Institute. Uh, this one introduces a usual one called the Rust Devils. Uh, these are sort of like Raiders who scavenge robot parts to build their own machines and armor. Um, and they'll end up coming as like another random encounter. Uh, with Fallout, you get um, companions uh, with certain factions. Um, this one, your new companion is an Ada, a robot. So like a babe, sort of a bare bones sort of robot. Uh, you learn more of the story about the, the robo brains in the Fallout 3 uni- Fallout universe and how they're created. Um, I liked the story. It was a little bit basic, but I liked it. Um, next one, Nuka World, was the actual final DLC that was released, um, but it was the second one I played. It actually... The DLC sort of, um, I feel like it comes a bit more organically. Like I'm just remembering with the Elder Scrolls Oblivion, when you, if you got like the Game of the Year edition, you start up that game when you first, yeah, when you first start up that game, after you created your character, it just goes, okay, you got this new quest, you got this new quest, you got this new quest. It's like, what, what, is, what is it? It's just, I understand, you know, it's just giving you to instantly. Uh, but at least with this Fallout game, it's sort of, like, you know, okay, yeah, as you're going through, if you're just playing it from the start, it's a bit more organic. I'd imagine if you're playing it afterwards, you get it, like, then and there. But uh, when you're playing main, like, start start a story, it's a bit, bit more fluid. Yeah, you um, can encounter it in the world. It just, exactly. Like other things in Fallout, it just happens, like, you come across it and it's just like, ooh, this sounds interesting. Like, is there any indication at all that it is a DLC quest? Or if you say, like, no. buy Fallout 4 and, like, literally all the DLCs, would you even be able to tell, like, ah, and this is where the Nuka World DLC starts, if you didn't already know? No. So that was the thing with the Wasteland Workshop. It basically was like, okay, there's this, uh, oh, this is, I was actually exploring, then I found this vault. 
Um, and it's like, okay, there's a vault that's radiated. So, you know, you're constantly getting radiation. It's full of ghouls. And so, okay, I tackle the ghouls, try and get in. And then as I'm going through, I, I see this like, um, like this is like sort of like vault boss who's, who's a ghoul. And I'm thinking, did I play this in the original game? I'm thinking, oh, wait a minute. No, this is actual DLC. So it didn't actually straight up say, okay, this is actual part of the DLC. Um, this is just something I just, I encountered. I like the verisimilitude of that. That's that's a good system to do it with. Yeah. Um, yeah, Nuka World, um, this one has you, it's basically sort of the Raiders. Raiders are taking over the Nuka World theme park, sort of like Disneyland, and they're split up into um, sort of three factions. <coughs> the idea is that you go in um, go in, and you sort of become, sort of you, be, you beat the big boss of the factions, um, then you're basically the new bo- big boss. Um, and then there's these five sections, there's five areas within, because it's like another map within um, Fallout. And so you have to take over these five sections of the map and assign a flag to each each station for each um, separate faction. So these includes um, sort of a Wild West park where, <laughs> I'm just thinking now, like, um, if you watched Westworld? I've seen a couple episodes, yeah. Yeah. Imagine Westworld, but basically every ro- robot is like um, Rosie from um, the Jetsons. Oh, wow. <laughs> um then you've got sort of a fun house one like fun house hall of mirrors which was annoying because it was full of rate like radiation um trying to get to each section um uh, in that um then you got a sort of one that's sort of like a sort of sort of a ride section um sort of like a welcome to wonder like basically like a amusement park sort of scenario uh you got another one that's like safari so they had um sort of like gorillas but those gorillas have been there actually since which is sort of like the robots of the universe and then you got one and then you got oh, the bottling plant for the nuka nuka cola um drink you know obviously oh, cool. uh, play, oh, hmm. so you actually go in and um try and basically and so the idea is that you basically have to put a flag up um with these uh to, but the, th- the idea is that there's five of them there's three factions so the split isn't going to be even. Just someone's going to feel left out and someone is going to get annoyed. Um, so I imagine what you have to do, you have to basically choose which ones get in and then you have to choose which gang survive and which one gets uh, dies. But the thing is that these raiders, um, they also have slaves uh, within in them. And they ended up, um, there was, I ended up just doing quests where help ended up helping the slaves and just killing every raider. Um, and killing, <laughs> ended up killing my own um, companion that comes with the DLC because they were a raider as well. Oops. Uh, yeah. Oh, look. I think morally is the right choice to do. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm. I'm not a big fan of hanging out with slavers. Yeah. Yeah. When I sort of so, okay, I can. I can actually because when you're playing the game, so I, I don't really want to be, you know, working with these raiders. Um, so where there's an opportunity to. Get, bop them off it's like um yeah I'll, I'll do that uh before we move on i did have one question about nuka world for you uh how did you find because there's like a radio dj who's giving like running commentary while you're doing the dlc right i didn't i don't know if there was one for the nuka world red eye okay oh well i, I didn't i honestly i didn't listen to him wow i must have missed it uh yeah um 
I, again, the, the like running commentary thing might not strictly be correct. Yeah, the character of Red Eye in the Nuka World DLC, uh, if you're a fan of rock music from like the early 2000s, uh, voiced by Andrew W.K., fun fact. Oh, wow. Party Hard fame. Yes. Yes. Oh, wow, that's cool. Oh, well, I, I missed that. Yeah. Well, I've got to listen to radio, radio more each time in the game. I, I did. Uh, I do have a friend who has played the Nuka World DLC, and your mile, and I will say, based on his experiences, your mileage may vary with Red Eye. He found him very annoying. Uh, but again, hey, if you're a big fan of Andrew WK, uh, he can be very funny. Um, <laughs> the one thing that that I was okay, very quick aside about Andrew WK. Uh, have you heard the story about the Andrew WK forums at all? No. Okay, so. There was a really long forum discussion on his forums between, I think, like between two and four different accounts who were all arguing about this conspiracy theory that is, to be clear, not true, uh, about whether or not Andrew WK, like, died and was replaced by a lookalike in, like, 2006 or whatever. Uh, like Like a Paul McCartney situation. Yeah, and... This argument went on for days and days and days, and it turned into this huge flame war on the forums. And then at some point, somebody was like, huh, who are these people anyway? And through a variety of like technological shenanigans that I personally do not understand, um, it turned out that they were all posting from the same IP address, Andrew WK's IP address. <laughs> He just made sock puppets on his own forums and created a giant argument about himself. So if that's the kind of kooky weird guy you like to listen to music from. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um I'll have to go back into it then. Um Far Harbor was the last DLC that I did. Um this is my favorite one. Uh, this starts off by trying to find the missing daughter for a worried couple. Um, it has a you go in, go to a boat, and you, um, when you arrive there, it has the point lookout vibes from Fallout Three, uh, Fallout Three DLC, which I think was the best one. Um, so two for two. Um, this one is split up into three separate groups. Um, you got the harbor men, who are basically trying to live on there. There's sort of a radioactive fog they're trying to sort of like manage with uh, machinery, trying to push it out. Uh, you got Acadia, which is sort of where the... I'm not too sure what, if you're aware of the thoughts uh, with the synths. Because um, the synths are sort of like the sort of like the uh, like the ro- the human robots. Yeah, um, yeah I'm to, familiar yeah. with them. Yeah, all right. Uh, synth, trying to hide and trying to live a normal life. Um, and then you've also got the Church of the Children of Adam. So that a cult living inside constant radiation inside basically what's like a nuclear submarine. That seems like a terrible idea. Well, for me it is because I'm constantly getting radiation. Um, not for them though; they've seemed to have they've seemed to have um, fobbed off. Hmm. Interesting enough, uh, I feel like this was the best story. In, um, <laughs> I feel like this is step story because. Um, and it's a great, great thing you be able to story with um, Andrew WK. Uh, it sort of has 
with that story with him because it's sort of, this story sort of has a similar vibe to that, sort of similar emulence to that. <laughs> with the with the exception, you know, who's actually real and who's actually been replaced. I I do have another fun fact for you about the Far Harbor DLC. Uh, oh, yes. So, uh, did you go to Haddock Cove at all? Probably. It doesn't ring a bell. It's on the island, according to the wiki. Um, so, there is a family that lives uh, in Haddock Cove, the Husky family. Uh, and fans of professional wrestling may recognize the names Bray, Braun, Luke, and Rowan. Uh, as okay. the former stable, the Wyatt family from WWE. Um, oh, yeah. Bray Wyatt, formerly named Husky Harris. Uh, this is, in fact, an intentional and direct reference to the uh, the Wyatt family in WWE. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, I haven't played a lot of Fallout games. I've played a bit of three and a bit more of four. But uh, as a massive wrestling fan, this is the kind of thing <laughs> that I just have heard about. Mm. So cool of the Fallout series. It's like, like Fallout New Vegas. You've also got like um, like Matthew Perry and um, Wayne Newton. Wayne Newton. Oh, that is the name I had in my brain, and I was just like, it can't be Wayne Newton, right? Uh, no, 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 it is Wayne Newton. Oh, cool. That was such a good. That was such a good game. Um. So, so the, I've heard from literally everyone who has ever talked to me about it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um so in this one um with the full at full far harbor one i ended up helling out the simps um i so i did basically i did complete a dlc but then there's also another quest where i could add tattle on the simps to the brotherhood of the steel who straight up hate the simps and then ended up going ahead and wiping them out so i've gone ahead i've helped the simps and then another faction has just wiped them out because i told them rude but anyways, once I ended up doing all the DLC, I ended up uh, was about level 60. So a bit overpowered. Um, was able to one-shot uh, lower enemies in the head with the VAT system. Then um, I saw how, how, so much agility that tougher ones I could just like put, it, like, put in like 28 times to the head <laughs> and get them to... Yeah. Yeah, I was... Um, I was not struggling. I had an elevating back about um, 200 stim packs. Oh, wow. It was, it ended up being like towards the end. It was just like, okay, I'm going through. It's like, oh, wait a minute. My health's a bit low. Oh, I better put in a stim pack. Oh, do I really need it? Like gambling, you know, could I get a bit farther without have, having to do it? And then if I could find like some water in to get basically like some free health. Um, the classic video game, but I might need it later. Exactly. <laughs> but with um, that, uh, with the Fallout thing, I ended up um, destroying the Brotherhood of Steel, um, destroying the Institute, and helping out the Railroad um, faction. So I ended, up just, I ended up just being it today. Oh, um, wow. This morning. Yeah. So with our uh, earlier discussion on Bethesda and Starfield, mm. uh do you have any fun bug stories from your playthrough of Fallout 4? Um, I've got some annoying ones uh, where I couldn't try and... Um, where basically you're getting, trying to get in a conversation 
and then when it's your turn to speak or you press the button prompt, your characters just won't speak. And it'd be like a full like two minutes before they say their line. Like and they're they're, they're still moving they're still moving. Like you see them just like moving, slowly moving about. Um one stage I ended up um I had to reset I had to get out of it and go back into it and reload it. Um fun bugs um just basically when I'm in the VAT system, I'm shooting someone that just sort of like com- the body convulses and just goes up into the air. Classic ragdolls. Yeah. Classic ragdolls. Yeah, I haven't had anything where I was like I didn't have anything that was like clipping through floors. Um Yeah, but they didn't get too many like more it's it's more like pathfinding when you're with a companion. Oh yeah, I've heard uh not very good things about that. You can you can sort of um you can sort of try and get them to move and you can sort of wait until they finally end up moving. Um but I will say like I haven't played I haven't gone back to the previous Fallout 3 in New Vegas. I'll probably end up going back to New Vegas. Um probably research some mods onto that it's probably very hard for me to go back into fallout 3 like i think story-wise fallout 4 is probably the weakest it's the most um we're, we're gamey yeah like sort of like it's the easiest sort of probably the easiest one to get to you can just sort of like you can build up your character and do anything off it's sort of like Especially in New Vegas, you sort of had some limitations about what your character could do, um, how you can, can progress. I think, like, I know def- New Vegas definitely had it. Um, and Fallout 3 initially had it. I don't know if the DLC um, let, let you go beyond, but you had, like, a hard um, level cap. Whereas with um, Fallout 3, you can just keep going and going and going. Yeah. Uh, but the gameplay, with the gameplay wise, uh, it's the most stable. Like you can actually do proper gunplay. You're not using that that all the time just because the gunplay is terrible. And does it also have like quality of life improvements beyond the gunplay not being terrible? Because that that's the thing that you see a lot. Like I uh, in episode one, I discussed going back to uh, Pokemon X after having played like shield and scarlet and going back to like ah i couldn't access my box from literally anywhere in the world was a bit of an adjustment um it has some progressions i will say like it used to be like a fallout um oh actually um what uh because we could go ahead and try and drink up water um of oh, the radiation system actually the radiation system because basically um, with the radiation system with Fallout 3 in New Vegas, it's sort of like you get more radiation. You didn't really know how much you ha- had. You basically had to go in to your menu to find out how much you had. And so like you learned, you, you went down like certain things, like your perception, your science. Uh, and then ended up when you got too much, it ended up um, like killing you. In Fallout 4, radiation just simply seems to be you just, it basically just goes against your health. So the more radiation you have, the less health you can maximize to. Um, there are some regressions like uh, when you're normally like uh, Elder Scrolls games, you can like wait in a certain area and um, let time pass by by just like clicking select. And that would um, improve, like also not change the time, but also 
like refill your mana and health. In Fallout 3, you still it didn't refill your your health, but it still lets you um change your time. Like if I need to do something like at night time, in Fallout 4 you actually you can't just wait. You have to actually go like lie in a bed or um wait on a chair. Cool, fun game. Yeah. Um, but and also another thing they um, they got rid of the actual um, like condition system uh, where basically like your your weapon would could could break because it was in poor condition. Um, that's completely gone in Fallout Four as well. As I would be a big fan of that personally. Mm-hmm. I found that extremely annoying. Yeah, especially if um the, especially the way it worked in the Fallout series because um, it's sort of you had to basically like try and get another weapon. And sort of merge it together. Um, it's come back in um, Fallout seventy six, but you actually use like proper like pieces, like you know screws and aluminium and um, your glue. Didn't wasn't there also a period of time? I don't know if this is the case anymore because it is an MMO, so they can change stuff like that. But wasn't there also like repair kits that you could like buy with real money in seventy six? Uh, yes, you do have like instant repair kits. Um, I've got three of those. I'm, I've just I've just bought that as well recently. Um, and I noticed, yeah, I've got you can get I've got repair kits as well for that. So you can either do that or scrounge the particular items and do that rather than actually okay, like carrying all these guns to sort of like merge them together to make like a more effective, less sick gun. Yeah, but no, that's um, that's sort of my experience of Fallout Four. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, played it, played it on Steam Deck, um, ran, seemed to run fine. It's constantly had dips. Uh, I ran about 40 FPS on the Steam Deck, uh, felt it worked well. But yeah, um, no, I'm, 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 I'm look, it, it, I just got sucked into it. I don't know how. And is it like verified on Steam Deck or is it like playable? Playable. It is playable and that's, um... There is one section of the game that just constantly dips towards the end. But you can sort of nuke that section and not have to deal with it anymore. <laughs> I mean, then the frame rate dips are like not that surprising if it's not like listed as verified. No, it's it normally like it worse normally normally the worst it gets about four, uh 30. Um but usually tries to keep about 60. But uh, there's just it's just one section of the institute. It just like it just dips like to about like the the seventeens. Good lord. Uh, well, but as I, I said, haven't seen people. frame rates that bad since I played Pokemon Scarlet, which <laughs> oh. uh, wasn't that long ago, unfortunately. Uh. Mm. <laughs> uh, but speaking of um, other games that you've had some unique opinions about, um, why don't you tell us a bit about Assassin's Creed Odyssey? So, uh, I don't know if my opinions on it are that unique, to be honest. Uh, Most of what I'm about to say here has been said by other people, but I I did sort of want to reiterate a couple of them, because uh, also, side note, boy, we've talked a lot about a a lot of RPGs today. Mm. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, uh, I've been playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey, as I alluded to earlier. Uh, I got it through Game Pass. Uh, because I'm I'm a big fan of the Assassin's Creed games, or at least I was, uh, up to and including Syndicate. And mm-hmm. then I got uh, Assassin's Creed Origins for like super cheap one time. Did not like it. 
didn't like it at all. Um, and I was like, okay, you know, I like Ancient Greece. It's on Game Pass, so I don't have to pay any more money for it than I am for Game Pass. I'll give it a try, you know? I don't know... Okay, I do know why, but I don't know why Assassin's Creed is designed the way it is. Or at least these ones are. Because they went from open... Like, okay, there's technically a difference between sandbox and open world. They went from, like more or less sandbox action-adventure games to open-world RPGs. And they changed the combat, they changed the way the stories are told, um, and I will say, if you're looking for pure, like, value for money, like, hours per dollar, Assassin's Creed Odyssey and Valhalla and Origins, you're gonna get a good value, but there's just not a lot in those hours that is especially good. Um, so I've played Assassin's Creed Odyssey now for about, I think, 14 to 15 hours is the last time I checked. And that is obviously not even close to being most of the game, but I do feel like it's a reasonable sample size. Um, exactly. So Assassin's Creed Odyssey is genuinely like... One of the most soulless games I've ever played. Ooh. Uh, it, it, on an artistic level, I don't know why it exists. And I am going to say, like, I bear no ill will to the people who designed it. The artists, the writers, the programmers and stuff. Good God, you work for Ubivision. U Ubivision? You work for Ubisoft. Your lives are probably hard enough as it is. Uh, but on a like big picture level, like design document, this is how we want the game to be. I genuinely don't like this. Ha have you played Origins, Odyssey, Valhalla at all? No. The last, I think the only last um, Assassin's, Creed game, Assassin's Creed game I played was Black Flag. Um, didn't end up finishing that. The last games I sort of completed were sort of like, I've done Assassin's Creed 1 and then the Assassin's Creed 2 uh, and the other two after that one. So the Ezio collection. Brotherhood and Revelations. Revelations, yeah. Yeah, so I, I love Black Flag. I, I It's a game I've played multiple times. But from origins onward they like fully revamped it to be an rpg there's uh i mean there were already some rpg elements in syndicate and maybe unity as well i admit i've never played unity so i don't know but you got like xp and there were skill trees and stuff but in from origins onward it was straight up like there's a leveling system enemies have power levels it does like, the combat in older Assassin's Creed games was never super compelling, you know? It was just everyone, like, the enemies are around you in a circle, and you wait until one of them attacks you, and you press the counter button, and then the attack button, and then they're dead. Uh, in From Origins onward, it became, like, there's combos-ish, there's different weapon types that have different attack animations and speeds and stats, and all this stuff but 
the worst thing I think I could ever say about the combat in the old ones is that it it was simple and over quickly enough that it never really got in the way of playing the rest of the game. Whereas in the newer ones, and Odyssey is the one I'm speaking of in particular, it all takes so goddamn long. Like, enemies have so much health, and oh. the, there's something funky going on with the way like parries work i'm really really good at hitting the left and right bumper simultaneously to parry like one and a half seconds after the attack has hit me uh which not super useful but uh, so many enemies are such big damage sponges and like even assassinations go off your character stats now if your assassin damage isn't high enough, you cannot one-shot kill someone with an assassination anymore. What? Yeah. And in a game oh. called Assassin's Creed, mm. that seems like a really annoying thing. And mm. if you think that, congratulations, you're right. Um, <laughs> like, I understand in the story of Assassin's Creed that the assassins are both literal assassins and they are an order of that they are an organization called the assassins some people who work for the assassins are not literal actual people who do assassinations but you are playing as a character who does and so your inability to like i i've uh gone i've like snuck up to an enemy and been like haha i've got a stealth attack that took out like maybe half his health what yeah and then you and then when inevitably you don't get to assassinate someone because these would be like the stronger enemies that are the heads of the camps and stuff um they'd call in reinforcements and then a really big fight happens and the combat has this like floaty feel that it never really feels satisfying like in god of war like we talked about last last episode there's there is definitely like a, a weight to the combat that means you can't really do anything quickly but that weight at least felt satisfying you know you you felt the impact with the way it was animated and the way the enemies reacted here it it feels like you're poking sandbags you know the enemies do react but it never really feels good and so the combat more more often than not just gets in the way of playing the game the map is ginormous. It's pretty much all of Greece. Oh. Uh, by, by the way, I, I looked at the map. Um, and it, it doesn't need to be this big. It just doesn't. Like, I know there's all these side quests you want to put in there and f famous locations, but there's so much very pretty and well-rendered, like, cliffs and trees and other, like, natural things, but... More often than not, there's just nothing there. And it's the same as, like, do you remember... Have you played Just Cause 2? Uh, I have not. Uh, the basic version of that is, like, Just Cause 2 was, at the time, one of the biggest open worlds in any video game. But most of that big open world was just, like, trees. There was nothing to do there. And... We, we talked about Yakuza earlier, and advantages that the Yakuza games have, I understand, is they always, like, take place in basically the same section of Tokyo. 
mm-hmm. but they're so dense with things to do. There's yes. activities, there's characters, there's side missions, mm. there's yeah. mini games and stuff. Mm. And in in Assassin's Creed Origins, there's just like, ooh, more rocks to climb. End of story. You'll occasionally like- run into some wolves or some enemy soldiers, and yep. you'll have more bad combat. Yeah. At least with Trade Tears of the Kingdom, you can sort of, or Breath of the Wild, you can sort of like fly around everywhere. Um, and it was just, it really just was vast. You didn't really need to explore every nook and cranny. Unless you wanted all the shrines, I guess. Yeah, but even then, it's just like the shrines was just like a, you, knew, you basically, you knew you had to get the shrines because like with, with Breath of the Wild, you had like a shrine um, indicator that helped you to locate where the, the general thing would be. So the idea is like, like say Breath of the Wild, you could fly, fly up, float around, and sort of if you fight, if it goes off, you can sort of, okay, focus on that area and try and find it. Assassin's Creed Origins, like it doesn't need you to explore very much because it does have the standard like, okay, you got a big map with all these icons. And there is something called, I think it's exploration mode, where whenever you get a quest, um, you'll get like three little bullet points of okay, you have to go here, so it's in this general area, like to the south of this mountain, and so there is a little bit of exploration there, but it's pretty easy to find, like, okay, using these instructions, I know basically exactly where it is. More often than not, it'll be the question mark icon that's in that area, and once you get close enough, you'll get an indicator of like, hey, you're close to your objective, send up your eagle to look around and find exactly where it is. So it it does like have a little bit of nice exploration sometimes, but off, more often than not, it's just an extra step before you go to the icon and do the thing than just going there like you would in older games. Uh, but I, I think the, 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 the main crux of the thing that really bothers me about this game is the story is or at least so far, uh, you are a mercenary participating in, like, a war between Sparta and Athens. And there is a big deal made of the fact that you can, like, influence how the war goes by um, assassinating war leaders and stealing from their, like, treasure chests and stuff and clearing out their military camps. And once you do that, you unlock a big battle where... You do more of the not very good combat to fight soldiers and more powerful soldiers until you fight the general. And then that changes the allegiance of that region from Sparta to Athens or Athens to Sparta. But I don't really feel like it makes a difference. Like you're doing all this work and mechanically and tan and like tan the biggest tangible difference you notice is the soldiers in this area are blue now instead of red oh oh because that's um there are narrative implications as well like you do have choices with that that's the the quote-unquote new thing for this entry compared to origins is there's dialogue trees and you can react to things and sort of craft how your character reacts to things, and you'll have your own unique version of Alexios or Cassandra, depending on which one you start with. 
they're still like regardless of whether the area is controlled by Athens or Sparta they're both going to be equally as mad when you're stealing from them and the combat encounters are just going to be more or less the same so it, it's it's a major part of the narrative but I don't really feel like it changes anything hmm because I'm so funny thinking of that because when like talking about this this is sort of remind me of um sort of Fallout New Vegas like I know it's great Greece that you're in um, with Assassin's Creed Origins but with Fallout New Vegas it's sort of you you fight there's a faction there called the Roman, uh, Roman Legion but think about that story because that's bringing him out and I'm thinking you know you're talking about you know with the, the stories don't really impact him up but I'm thinking like with especially with New Vegas because Fallout 3 really didn't do it and Fallout 4 sort of has a system that kind of does it but not not great but Void New Vegas is sort of like you really did feel like you you impacted the story. You know, you can sort of like you can side with the NCR, or you can side with some Caesar's Legions, or you can side with um the that Mr. House um casino, or you can side with yourself. And it's sort of like the actions that the actions where you do trying to recruit certain factions, it's like you it really did feel like you had that you had control of that you can sort of manipulate how you wanted the story to go and sort of like how you wanted it to end. Where it's sending like Assassin's Creed Odyssey, it's just, it's... Odyssey. It's just, yeah, oh, sorry, Assassin's Odyssey, sorry. Um, just sort of paying lip service. Yeah, and I, I think the most damning... Indi- I, I want to put a pin in that and come back, to, come back to it in a bit. I think the most damning indication of the way this game is designed is there are like the story quests are like level gated you can do them if you're like you you can accept them if you're not high enough level but you probably fail and so in order to keep doing the story quests you have to do side quests that are appropriate to your level so you get more experience get better gear level up all that normal things you get from an open world rpg but if you don't want to do all of that, you can go to the handy-dandy Ubisoft store and spend real dollary dues after you already spent upwards of, like, 60 US dollars on this game to buy time savers, where you increase your XP gain or just buy XP or buy better gear. You have got to be kidding me. Oh, my God. That is, like... This is why I said earlier, I, I know why this game exists. It's like that to me feels like an admission that, hey, do you want to pay more money to not play our game? Means we may be aware of the fact that the game we designed is not very fun to play. Because you then you'll be, because if the game is not fun to play, then you'll be tempted to be like, okay, I want to see the next story stuff. But I don't want to do all this other stuff in the meantime, so I'll pay more money. Oh my god! Yeah, this sounds this sounds like one of those freemium games where you sort of have to, um, if you don't pay out money, you have to wait. Yeah, except this game already costs money. Hmm. Um. But okay. So my my like big summary for Assassin's Creed Origins. It's the most, like, visually stunning, exquisitely rendered checklist I've ever seen. Uh, and to, to, to use a bit of a comparison, 
I bought um, Power Wash Simulator yesterday, and I played it for most of the afternoon. Oh, yeah? I had more fun playing one afternoon of Power Wash Simulator Mm -hmm. than I did in the, like, 14 hours I've played of Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Because (laughs) in the game where you just point water at thing and it changes color because it's clean now, I felt like the things I was doing had a more tangible difference on the game. Yeah. Because I could visually see that the thing I'm cleaning is getting cleaner and cleaner. Whereas at (laughs) Assassin's Creed Origins, it's just like a very charitable reading says that like, okay, well, the color of the soldier's armor has changed from blue to red or from red to blue. Could be, could you could read that as like, you know, whichever color the occupying force is doesn't matter. They're still an occupying force. But um, I don't believe that that is a thing that was at least intentional because okay, I, I, I can imagine a scenario where someone on the writing team was like, okay, I want that to be sort of a theme of this game. But I don't believe for a second that they could get that past like Ubisoft corporate. You know, I don't believe Ubisoft corporate would ever okay that intentionally. So it it just doesn't feel like what I'm doing actually makes much of a difference. And in a game about making your own, like, making your own characters and making choices in how that character does things doesn't exactly make me feel super excited to play more of it. Oh. Uh, so, yep, definitely don't feel bad about spending money on Assassin's Creed Valhalla when it it was on sale a couple weeks ago, uh, because that's very much the same. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Hmm, cool, Mm. love that for me. But yeah, Assassin's Creed Origins, uh, if you like checklists you may find a reasonably middling open world game here, but (laughs) there are so many other open world games out there. Like we talked about before Yakuza. There's a lot of those and there's a lot of things you can do in them. They're also on game pass. Yep. Like I haven't even played Yakuza. Go play Yakuza. (laughs) Yes. Don't buy this. Don't bother. Yes, no to Origins, yes to Yakuza. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'll be, like, th- there was a, in the, going back to what we were talking about before, in the announcements of the the live streams and stuff from the game companies, there was some more information on Assassin's Creed Mirage, which yep. uh, they said, like, it's going back to its roots, like, similar to Assassin's Creed 1. And I'll be interested to see how that's going to affect the mechanics in the gameplay because if it's just more of this then it's not worth your time it really isn't like i didn't even pay extra money for this game and i i feel like i wasted my money you know i i i in the interest of giving it a fair shake played way more of this game for the purpose of talking about it on this podcast than i normally would have otherwise i would have given (laughs) up on this game about five hours in like by the time you get to about five hours in and you have like your ship because that was really fun in a, in black flag so you gotta have a ship i i felt like i'd seen everything this game had to offer so uh i'm gonna uninstall that game uh after this recording yep. and hopefully never have to think about it again
Well, at least, yeah, yeah, at least, yeah, it only got on Game Pass, so not a big loss. Well, like I said, I did spend money on the sequel Valhalla. That's 17 bucks I would have liked to spend on something else, but, you know, live and learn. Uh, hindsight in 2020 and all that. At least it wasn't, it wasn't, you didn't buy Origins as well, so. Uh, Odyssey, but yeah. Odyssey, why am I saying Origins? Oh my god. Because Origins is the one that preceded Odyssey, and they both start with an O. Uh, <laughs> maybe it, maybe yeah, it's I, just got Bat, maybe it's just got Batman Arkham Odyssey on, on, on Origins on the mind. <laughs> Batman Arkham Odyssey. <laughs> <laughs> They've oh, moved the city of Arkham to uh, <laughs> Greece. Now that, that would be funny. Would be, now, that would be funny. That would be funny. Batman as Odysseus. <laughs> it's the exact same story as the Odyssey, but Odysseus is just also Batman. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <sighs> so yeah, uh, not worth your time. Wasn't worth my time. Uh, good lord! Stop making these Ubisoft, or at least stop making them like this. Let's hope this new one is better. God, I hope so. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening to this episode of Game Podular Unfocused, this sort of open world discussion that we've just had. Yeah, a lot of RPGs on this one. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Oh, good, 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 good time, mostly. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Phil Hilka, for um, joining me having this discussion. Uh, thank you for having me, Scott. It was great to be here. Thank you, and um, catch you all, folks, next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Game Podular Unfocused podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, Spotify, and other podcast services. Make sure to check out our other show and focus. Be sure to join our Discord server to interact with the lively Game Podular community. Follow us on Twitter, YouTube, and our Game Podular for updates, news, and other content. Links are in the show notes. If you'd like to support our shows, you can buy us a coffee or become a Game Podular Patreon. The links for both are on our website. Thanks. This episode was edited by me, and you can follow me on Twitter at TheScottyJman. You can also follow Hilka on Twitter at Gear12 underscore Turbo. Thanks for listening.